Yeah. 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 That we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. Tenuous. Tenuous at best. Hello everyone and welcome to Commander Cast episode 246. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology. Hosted on mpcast.com and our home site. Hey everybody, it's Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone around the internet. Uh, what episode was this? 346? 246. That's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I meant. So let's see here. No. Something just exploded. I guess uh, Calvin no, died. No, if I'm here. Someone just keeps trying to call me in the middle of doing this. It's not productive. Yeah. Alright, joining us also, Clay, how are you doing today? I am doing well, getting ready to uh, get back to my mom's place after the semester ending, currently uh, casting in from my girlfriend Mallory's parents' place, uh, where we're staying for a couple days before heading back to Durham on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to getting a much better uh, streaming setup set up, and hopefully gonna just have some fun this summer. Sounds um, finals did not kill me as hard as I thought they would. I did have a um, 8 to 12 page research paper that I knocked out in a single day because I neglected it the entire semester. And I'm waiting to hear back on a grade for that. Do you want to know what it was on? Because it's actually a pretty cool topic. What was it on? It was on how music is important in the worlds of the Legend of Zelda series and how its own music affects our world. Affects our world? What? Yes. Um, have you heard of this thing called the Symphony of the Goddesses? Yes. Um, then yes, I have. Basically, same, actually. It was over in my hometown of Durham, and we kind of forgot to get tickets and go. But anyway, um, basically, my entire, um, talking about how it affects our own world was talking about how stuff like the Symphony of the Goddesses and the Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions can rejuvenate, um, interest in the the classic symphony setup for newer generations, and also the fact that Ocarina of Time single-handedly made people aware that the ocarina was an instrument, and almost any place that you see that sells ocarinas now have replicas of the Ocarina of Time. I've got one! As a purchasable playable model. Exactly. Like, that that game single-handedly rejuvenated an entire instrument. So yeah, that's what I did uh, a week ago Monday. Um, two weeks to go if you're listening to this. Two weeks from when it goes up, right? These go up on Mondays, right? Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. I I also got to figure out how to cite video games in academic papers. How do you? Um. Well, in the in the School of Music at University of North Carolina in Greensboro, we use um, Chicago-style Turabian citations, and literally all you do to cite video games is the same way that you cite like audio and video recordings. You you put the author, you put the name of the thing, you put the platform, and then the publisher in year. So I got to cite um, Nintendo, Legend of Zelda, the or the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Nintendo 64, Nintendo 1996, or was it 1998? I forget. One of those two. Um, and I did that for like 11 different games in the franchise. And I'm looking forward to a summer of magic and video games. 
<sighs> Yay! Magic Alright. Alright, guys. So, going into our normal weekly question. You people at home know what it is. It's a favorite fantasy and why. Clay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go in with one that I haven't even actually built yet. Um, I'm typing it in right now. Edric's Bymaster of Trest. The infamous uh, blue-green card draw weenie dude. Because okay. I realized when I was at the pre-releases that most of the investigate stuff is in blue and green. And Edric is a fucking spy master, so I'm just going to build Edric Sherlock Holmes. Um, God. Literally every card that they printed in this set and the next one that says investigate in those colors will be in that deck. And it's just going to be like, how many clues can I put on the table? And can I use Confront the Unknown to make Edric Commander kill you? Hmm. It's a concept. I'm going to be working on it this summer. Along probably with the, like, fifth Gitrog monster deck that will be in my playgroup at Atomic. But we'll see what happens. Uh, my favorite commander for the week is going to be Cranko. Mob Boss. Cranko? And no, it's not because I've been playing it. No, it's not because I've gotten a chance to, you know, pull the Cranko deck out and whoop some ass over the weekend. It's because a listener over the weekend gave me a interesting story about how Cranko Mob Boss saved his son's life. Oh. Yeah. Now, I'm not really going to go into too much details because it was kind of a personal story, and I'm not really sure if that particular listener wants me to, you know, divulge that information to the listening Should, audience uh, here at Commander Cat. What was that, Clay? Tell us later. Will you? Yeah, I'll tell y'all later. But, you know, as far as this portion of the show is concerned, you know, it, it was a very touching story. I actually enjoyed it, and it's, well, you know, it has its up, it's had its sad parts, and it, you know, has its upward swing, and it was actually a pretty good, you know, moment in this particular individual's life. And listener, if you happen to if you happen to hear this particular episode of Commander Cast and you would like for me to share that story, I will gladly share it with the listening audience, but only under your consent. Or you can tell us now and then. Or it could not and we could just keep moving. Because he might forget to edit it out later. What? <laughs> Alright then. So my favorite commander we'll call it Gissa. So Dude, did you read the uh the magic story thing with her sending letters to Geralt? Send letters to draw. Yeah, I read that whole exchange. Unless you're talking about a new one, in which case I'm like three and a half stories behind. No, the the one where she and they're all for exchanging letters because it is so funny. The original one? Yeah, I remember that one. That was one. Yeah. But no, got Brakusa out in town, and I got to see the full power. Maybe not the full power, but I got to see some of the power that Scourge of Neltoth. Yeah, Scourge of Plan Neltoth. Probably not. Scourge. Moving content. The sound keyboards being clicked. Calvin and Clay sitting in the background, quietly waiting for William to spell the right for, get the right spelling combination for the word scourge. We're just gonna look for a black zombie. Scourge. Scourge. Zombie dragon. Lightwing and the scourge of Neltov. How was it on that? No, you weren't. So the scourge of Neltov. So I managed. Uh, actually, remember what I called off the top of the tongue. But in alliances, there's a little black cleric. That says you tap and sack creature. That's a black artifact creature. Gain black mana equal to mana cost. Oh yeah, is it, isn't it like a priest of Gix? Uh, not a. Or is that just artifacts? Not, not. A no, what? priest of Yagma? No, it's not that either. Uh, I'll grab it. Oh yeah, that priest one's just artifact. I'll grab it. But I managed to chain that into a tomb, and that a very wide. So I'm going through my deck and figure out which cards I have to send. And I'm like, well, I just put this sweet zombie dragon. I want to play with the zombie dragon. And what else we got? Well, let's go ahead and get out, uh, Grave Titan, sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, we'll just go ahead and put the person, uh, Kramer in there because, you know, you grab a buddy and stuff. And so I go back, uh, so pass around, Grand comes back to me. I go, okay, what do I want to do? Oh, we can go ahead and reanimate the Kramer. This Kramer can grab, well, Kramer can grab the, uh, the Grave Titan. And hey, he's got a couple of buddies and I've got some mana left. 
let's go ahead and uh, you know sack the uh, yeah we'll sack the tokens pay some mana now we got a dragon and then boom I've got two six sixes and a three two that's awesome and this is like turn four to five like this is exactly what I'm gonna do today <laughs> so I'm actually very happy with my flying box and now that I've got I finally got my box strategy now I can finally start these cards nice. Nice. And then you can then sacrifice your zombie dragon to make more zombies, which you can then sacrifice to bring back the zombie dragon to sacrifice to make more zombies. That would have been awesome if Gissa had been allowed to board, which, that was just a hostile environment. Which is super late. But I did get the, the key uh, yeah, reclaimer to use it to like, hey, one buddy changed mm, place. Yeah. The, uh, the reason, one of the primary reasons I cut Geralt and Gissa from my Sidisi deck, they were in there for flavor reasons. Um... They were cut when I was optimizing the deck, but also just everyone would always kill them before I ever got a chance to activate them. Like, they just had no value except for eating removal. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. Raising a family is hard, but it's not if they're all buried next to each other. God damn it, Clint! (laughs) What? (laughs) I've heard that joke at least three times. It's been making the rounds on social media. I mean, it's not as bad as it's rock. Story asking and seeing it, check the lost pound. You know, and, and, and this rock kind of important to him, you know? Like, he wasn't around his neck. friend gave it to him. You know, I've seen him for the past couple months. And he's just, you know, he's sad. And it's like, hey, hey, don't be sad. He's like, but I am sad. It had sedimentary value. Oh my god. Really? Mm. I'm a, a bad influence. Oh. Alright. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be moving on. We're going to be discussing all the main various things that you listeners could potentially be doing out there. Because here at CommanderCast.com, we have a little thing known as a Patreon. And in that Patreon, there's a couple of tiers. And those tiers are things that I am currently having roll down my cheeks while having to deal with the fact that William is making corny puns. But William is going to go ahead and inform you about all the various things you could potentially be doing to help a brother out. Hey, my puns rock. Yeah, that, 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 that. All right. Okay, so our first tier is known as Just a Tip. And you can give us Just a Tip. Slide that bad boy in there at a single dollar. And if a little extra happens to slip in, we here at CommanderCast.com are going to be more than willing to accept any any amount that you decide to put in there. But we also have a secondary tier known as a little bit extra. And we have another tier there that will allow you to have access to William's videos that he's posted up on YouTube for his Avis bill. What are they called again, William? The I Alpha Bill. The Alpha Bill? There we go. The Alpha Bill. The Alpha so bit. if you want... Yeah, the alphabets. So if you want to see William's alphabets, you can go right ahead and you can hit that tier and you'll get them a little bit earlier than the average viewer for YouTube would. And William, is there anything else on this particular Patreon that we might want to discuss to let our listeners know to entice them to try to go ahead and throw some money towards the site? Well, I'm going to be doing... Let's see, I need... I still need... Ugh. By the time you hear this, I will have modified the pledge tier so that everyone who donates at least $5 a month will be entered into a drawing. Then, if you get selected, you get to pick the topics that we discuss for this episode. And it will be a monthly drawing, and we'll call it the monthly uh, Patreon tier. Now, if you're donating more than that, or some, thank you very much. You'll also be at the $5. will, in fact, be right now we've got seven people. So, right now, the people have this one in seven. Tonight, what do we talk about once per month? Cool. Yeah. So, listeners, if you have a particular topic that you want us to discuss, is there a particular set you want us to go over? Is there a particular, like, color combination or card? Or maybe a or particular a deck that you type want us of deck idea that you want us to go over. We are more than willing to have that conversation and discussion for you at a cost. And that cost <laughs> is $5 or more. 
Alright then. Now remember, you don't have to just be to our Patreon. You can also hit us up on the YouTubes where I post my those videos when they go public. You can also hit us up on the Reddits, on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, all these different avenues, and more. At least I think there's probably more. I don't know. Uh, let's see. There's Facebook. There's Reddit. There's Twitter. There is um, the actual main site in and of itself. All you can hit us up in our particular probably, emails, of course. But most of that we will hit up at the end of the show. Exactly. That is what I was exactly. trying to say. The words just not come out. Alrighty then. Okay, William. So, so now, what are we talking about this week? Alright then. So we've got a hodgepodge of topics today. First off, we're going to go into the community. As per usual. And I want to go ahead and talk about collection track. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. I remember like, when your I collection... tried to track my collection for the first time. Right. Has your collection been lost? Put a tracker on that bitch. Locate right. that one. So in today's video, I want to go ahead and talk about collection. So recently, I started getting to other buddy playing card five stuff where they're much smaller than a lot. So I thought, well, if I want to avoid actually about double door, then I need to start like. So I just started some spreadsheets. Started typing a bunch of words in. Now I'm track of how many of you. And I thought, well, how would I actually do something like that with magic? And there's a couple ways you actually could do it. Now here's the thing. I have a lot of freaking cards. Like I actually recently did, not recently, but a while ago, I did a bit of a purge system where I took out all the extreme mythics, rares, like soul moth, things that help catch them. And then more differently, I decided, well, I don't like the idea of staples, so I had one of each mythic, you know, place of the rares. But I think getting more cards, you know, be a hard so, Phrasing. Going on? We're just finding it hard to take everything in. <laughs> so there's a lot of huge ass magic cards. I need to figure out how many I have. And I, because I keep looking through, you know, when I'm building decks and stuff like that. And I keep thinking, how many Sakura Tri-Builders do I actually have? <laughs> like, I have the deck. Realistically, only 12 of them are going to be green in some fashion. Do I really need 20 Sakura Tri-Builders? Yes. So we're going to go ahead and bring this topic up. One, guys. When do you think your collection starts to get? For me, the fact that I literally have no desk space. <laughs> okay. So, so before we take this topic too much further, there's a, a, a something that I think that we should differentiate here. Okay. Now we're talking about collection, right? Now one thing I want to make sure that I point out is that we're talking about collection. We're not talking about both. Both is all those extra commons and uncommons you've gotten from all of your Friday night limited events and all the other things. You've got like three thousand. Bolt cards, like, you know, all those extra versions of that, I don't know, that one card you like to draft so much back in the day. Reach into mm. your random card box, just like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. It can uh, still is cool. factor into your collection. I mean, yeah, it still factors into your collection, but when I hear the word collection, I think of, like, the cards that I put to the side that are either A, cards that I'm actively using, or B, cards that I consider valuable enough to actually care about. Yeah. Uh, right. So, so if it's a collection, it's the here are the I don't know. Let's just here's Calvin's say, uh, like like here's the 700 cards that Calvin actually gives a shit about right now. Oh, and no. there's about <laughs> a thousand two hundred and whatever just sitting in a box in a corner, and another 158 over there, and there's another like 249. Hey, like so, like yeah, there's some cards that are lying around. If we were talking about like my cards, I've got cards in like four or five different locations as we speak right now. Oh yeah. And that's not even in the same house. I'm talking about like in multiple locations around the state. I'll leave it to you to figure out where they are. It's like, let's consider it a treasure hunt. Can you locate Calvin's collection? Can you find his bulk? 
but the thing is, like, when I think of, like, just bulk cards, I don't even, like, try to think about trying to keep track of them. I'm pretty sure there's, like, maybe, like, 50 giant wood hearts still floating around in my bulk, even though I've gone through, like, a purge session of, like, ripping them up in the old days. I'm guaranteeing you there's at least a handful floating around somewhere just haunting me. But I don't <laughs> consider them valuable enough to actually look at them and, like, you know, put them into a binder or put them into a case or count them up for their material, for their, um, for their financial values or actually even think about including them in the decks. They're just here. But if I was talking about a collection, I'm talking about my actual collection cards I care about. Like, yeah, those would be my EDH decks that I have built up or the cards that I've kept in binders or the cards that I have in that one box that I keep to the side that I like to reach into every so often. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it just yet, but I know I don't want to get rid of it. And I know it's worth a pretty penny, but I'm going to hold on to it until I can either find a way to get rid of it and sell it or find a deck to put it in. So, Clay, you, yes. have, you have a dice play. At what point did you, I... at what point did you decide that it got a little... Well, if we're not including Bolt, my collection really actually isn't that big. Um, um, if you include all of the random bulk sitting at my mom's place, yes, it's fairly large, but it's not nearly as large as other this, others that I've seen. Because uh, um, I've drafted a lot. Most of it's bulk. The only cards that I actually like actively pick up are ones that I'm using for decks. I don't pick stuff up just to have them. Um, so most of the cards that I actually care to consider my collection that aren't actively being used fit in a very small number of deck boxes and in binders. Um, like once I clear out the bulk this summer, I could get a more accurate count on that. But I don't really think your collection can ever really be too big, especially when your collection consists almost entirely of cards that you are playing actively. So there's never too much cardboard. There's only so, ever too much bulk. So, William, you said that you currently have, like, a table that's just covered in cardboard and cards, right? With my physical desk side. All right. So how many of those cards that are just lying around on your desk would you actually consider your collection? Most of them. So why are they just lying around and sitting on your desk as opposed to, you know, picking them up, organizing them, putting them in a box so you know where they are? <laughs> I mean, if they were just lying around on my desk, that'd just be bulk. That'd just be the random shit that just happened to be there from the pre-release that I went to minus the cards I actually got out of the pre-release that I wanted to keep and put into a deck. Whenever I have cards that are just, like, randomly just skewed across the house, they typically, like, the cards that I looked at, I was like, oh, these cards are okay, but you know what? I'm going to put them in a shoebox, and I'm going to give them to my son so he can play with them because they hold no value to me outside of the fact that I can occasionally go through there and, you know, show him how to play Magic or get a chance to watch him try to build a deck or something of that nature. But they don't have, like, <laughs> A financial value that I would consider to be like to include it into my quote collection. You're misreading your collection, sir. Either that, or you have a very, very loose sense of what the word collection stands for. Are you including bulk? No, I'm not. That is the question. A lot of these cards I do a lot of decks, working on decks. That it's just that it's always been kind of having stored. So if your collection is just skewed across your deck, uh, across your desk, where's your bulk? My bulk? Oh, I keep that under the bed in various shoeboxes. So let me get this straight. <laughs> You are more than willing to take your bolt, let it get up into a shoebox, neatly put away somewhere under your bed, so this way that you have access to it if you ever so need to, but your collection is randomly skewed everywhere. Well, my collection is always on hand because I'm always messing with decks. <laughs> okay. And what's wrong? He's and, always and, actively and, going through his collection. So what's stopping you from taking your collection and, like, like, I'm pretty sure that if you went under your bed right now, grabbed one of those shoe boxes you had for bulk and just dumped the bulk into the trash can 
right now and just use that shoebox. I can't you can put do that. Right, you, you could just put your collection right inside that shoebox. That is really more. And it would still be right there readily for you at your fingertips at your desk. It's just that now you would have some desk space to actually pull your cards out and actually look at the motherfuckers and actually be able to put your deck together without having to like dig through the entire like like sea of cards that's just skewed across your desk and oh oh what's this in the corner that's stowed behind my desk? Oh look, it's a copy of Avicen. I was wondering what happened to that three months ago. Dude, that happened to my Gaius Cradle. It was sitting in a deck box in a perfect fit, but I was just like, I have no clue where this $150 land is. I know I own one. I just can't remember where. Ain't nobody got time for that. You do. You do. You have time for that. You know how I know you have time for that? Because you decided to take a moment out of your day and actually turn it into a topic for the show. So we could tell you, clean your fucking deck. That's still a lot of cards, though. Like, I have... Get two shoeboxes, damn it. (laughs) Okay. What I am going to do this summer to get through my bulk is I'm going to go to my local gaming store, Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great store. You should check it out. Um, and just ask for those, like, what are they, like 500 or 1,000 card cardboard boxes that cost, yeah, like, long 75 cents a piece. Yep. And just organize everything. And then take those boxes to a store and be like, hey, here's a bunch of bulk. Give me some cash. That that is my plan for managing the not part, not collective part of my collection, or not collectible part of my collection. See, even Clay is more organized with his bulk than what you are with your actual collection, William. Oh, I I'm not organized with it at all. Um, but, the uh, the drawers of you have, you have goals, you have intentions on trying to figure out a way yes. to organize that. However, bulk. if if you know the current location of my bulk, it is not organized at all. Here we go. So at my mom's it, house, it, 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 I have. I have a desk that has three drawers in it. Okay. Almost all of those drawers are completely full. My okay. bed frame has two drawers below it. Those okay. are almost completely full. Gotcha. The uh, the room that we use as our bonus room that has like our couches and our TV has two um, cupboard okay. sort of things that we use as bookshelves that also have a bunch of random cards sitting in them. Gotcha. Yeah, they are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It's not organized. I will make it organized, but it is not organized. So, yeah. So, William, what are you going to do with all this? Because there are some decks some stores that don't take bulk. I should know. You find a store that does take bulk. But what and stores you should take? Def- what sort of big st- type story type website type stores? I don't know. There, There's one that I've heard is pretty much an all-star when it comes to this. They, uh, they're up in a city in Virginia, and they deal with games. I thought it was going to be another Atomic Empire plug. Um, I don't know if they buy bulk, but they do buy collections at Atomic Empire. Um, It is a great shop. It is a great store. You should check it out. But, uh, Star City Games, and I assume Channel Fireball as well, um, will buy your bulk. You should get used to some sort of random, not really random, but I think the usual rate is about $5 per thousand bulk cards. So it's not exactly financially viable unless you really need the space. Um, but you can get a nice crisp booster pack out of it, though. So that's yeah. fine. Or if you have many, many, many thousands of cards, it might be worth it. Not to mention just transporting all of them. Like if I were to load up my car and drive up to Roanoke, it wouldn't be that bad because you know it's only like two and a half hours from Greensboro. But I don't know if they take mail-ins. That would be kind of strange. Um, you can also take them to large events, and they'll probably buy them off. 
But the reason that they buy at that price is because they can just resell them. Also, if you have a shit ton of patients, you could try to, like, book a trade or deck box them. Um, you'll probably have much less success with that, just because bulk stuff is stuff that people could pay two cents on TCG Player for, and they could have it and not need to trade for it. <sighs> Don't you have blame me. Alright, so there is the, that is something I didn't want to bring up. Because, you know, some of the stuff is in fact good stuff. You know, part of what we call the collection, not necessarily the bulk aspect. You know, having a Mud Soccer or Tribe Elder. You know, I'd probably have like 20 of this. But I would only need 12 of Max, and I don't play this. Okay. But being able to move those cards online is going to be good. I've only just kind of started doing the online thing. I've got some stuff I'm going to send out, and I've got the box. But being able to turn those more expensive cards, kind of liquidating the collection down, can feel actually pretty rewarding. It's almost, it's almost like that dust. It's almost like the uh, the dust from I I have a friend who basically swears by Puka Trade. Like he's used it to finish out his lands deck. Like all of his Mox Diamonds, even his Tabernacle at, at the Pendrel Vale. Um, he's just shipped so much stuff out on it. And if you are willing to commit all of the time and effort to send stuff out, it can be really worth it. You just might have to be ready to wait a long time before getting the cards you actually want. Especially but, if they're high dollar. Yep, but in the meantime, yeah, as long as you have stuff that people want, you can just keep sending it out and keep building that suite. Yeah. I mean, remember, Mark swears by it too. Yes. So, guys, with a collection, with a collection fall... You I, sound like you're drifting off there, William. I actually just have here. Now, you were losing your train of thought. I was trying to, like, you know, tell you that, you know, whatever it is you're saying, you're kind of losing it. I lost it. Tried to point it out. Not my fault. You lost it. So, guys, it. what's the biggest collection that you've seen? Biggest collection? Yeah. I don't um, know. the boxes and boxes of bulk that people sell to stores. You're not. Or I don't know the biggest collection I've seen. I've seen some pretty good ones, but I don't know exactly what I would like qualify the, as the biggest. Right. Because like like I've seen some collections that have like you know very valuable cards in them. I've seen some collections that you know when I look at it, it's like hey that's actually like a nice little. Like, that that's a nice amount of, like, tabernacles you've got there. Kind of wish I was able to get a couple of those. But as far as, like, quantity, just, like, size-wise, I have no clue. I don't know what, I don't know how many packs that guy had to go through to get all those tabernacles, or if he even did it that way. Hell, maybe, you know, he just happens to have money like that. just decided to buy them all up. But, you know, hey, it, it, like, I don't question it. Like, I, I would say, like, I guess, like, the biggest collection I've seen would probably be, like, the guy who shows up at my shop who had, like, five binders just full of, like, rares and mythics and uncommon. wonder whatever happened to that guy. <laughs> Maybe his collection ate him. It's Maybe possible. his collection collected him. So, in terms of keeping track of collection, you know, you can sort it out and have it put away into a nice new box. And honestly, that's what I was planning on doing on Saturday until I got enrolled into a Got lazy. No, until I somehow enrolled in budget planning class. Okay. But and... before a couple of sets ago, I actually did have most of my collection mine. And there's a couple of the one that I'm using now is just if you log on to these, you actually can you know enter in all the card tabs. Mm -hmm. My only problem was kind of slow when I was in like I would have to have decks. Like I can actually see what my ten most valuable cards. And mm -hmm. it changed. Like you can also you know sort them by the mid price, the high price, the set, alphabetically, quantities you have, anything like that. We actually used it to uh, collect a collection from someone last week. We say uh, some a local site they were just out and they put posted the, uh, a selling ad on local Facebook. And according to TCG Player, that collection was worth two thousand dollars. <laughs> and so 
know, we tell them, hey, you can go ahead and come in, if we like what you have, we'll go ahead and buy it. And we ended up buying it for the <laughs> Outside of that being that we have a very nice modern. <laughs> so the DCD player is a good way to track the value, because a lot of stories do end up being about Yeah. Or, or at least ours. The, so, the one time that I tried to track my collection, my collection, I mean my bulk, um, was I found an app for my iPad called IMTG, um, which is actually a pretty good app. It has a very comprehensive database, um, like offline um, database gatherer support and prices pulled from TCG Player, etc. Um, and it does have a collection and deck management system. Um, it, the The app itself is far from optimized because the database tries to uh, like reload the results every time you enter a letter as opposed to just waiting you to finish typing. Um, mm. But it works pretty well, and then the built-in forum community has a section where people can organize trades between different users, and you can upload your um, like collection management as a trade binder, which is really cool. Um, I'd recommend it pretty highly. Um, it's not a bad thing. Um, you can also use stuff like Deckbox or Puka Trade just to manage your collection because you just put in a bunch of cards and it keeps track that you have them. And let's be keeping up a collection is some amount because we the way the set keeps cards and the rate that we acquire them, that's a lot of them. Yes. Yes it yep. is. It's the reason why I choose not to try to pay attention to what my actual overall collection is. <laughs> Alright. So looking at everything. Not saying there's anything wrong with having a collection. Just something that I look at and I was like, you know what? That's a lot of effort and a lot of time for a lot of things that I don't have time any effort for. I would much rather just, it's nice to know that I just have magic cards and I'm going to be playing with them. Whatever random order they happen to fall out of my box is, the order that I would be dealing with them in. <laughs> Alright, so guys, did you have any other thoughts or, or anything you want to say about it? Make sure you know uh, where your cards are, especially the valuable ones, because there have been a couple times where I'm just like, I don't know who these cards are and I would really like them right now. Like, um, don't I leave them on your desk. My like second copy of Exploration. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's in a box somewhere. I just don't know where it is. So then, going on to our next topic. Next up, we're gonna have strategy segment, and we're gonna talk about the evolution match and constantly decking the ball. Yay! Now, once I get done with this Skype call, I now have a phone call to make. Ah. Uh, and I got a strange feeling it's not going to be a pleasant one. Uh. All right, let's go into our strategy. <clears throat> so when I started playing Commander, I had this belief that enough, you know, playing, adjusting, I could get my deck to be, you know, perfect ultimate four. You know, and that's kind of the, uh, you know, the driving force behind the Apple is that with enough tuning, testing, you know, balancing, I actually could just have, you know, boom, the most perfect version of this deck. Here's the thing, though. Perfection is more of an ideal to strive towards than an actual end state. One of those reasons that with Magic, the game is ever-evolving. You know, we're always getting new cards that are always changing how the game. You know, back when Battle for Seneca came out, and all those, you know, colorless void cards came out, that really changed a lot of protection this, players can't this, this color, you know, Iona got a little worse, At my Avacyn got a little worse just because that, you know, those cards are popular. It's very popular for people to play, do Eldrazi, green decks, or any other kind of sport. 
And that's fine. You know, for he's the game and she's fresh. But when it comes to the deck, it means that you're always have, having to use smaller jumps. And it's not just from, you know, the physical game changing, but it's also from meta around you, where people are constantly adjusting to, okay, you know, Bob has switched more to graveyard decks, so the balance of my deck is to change to more graveyard hate and stuff like that. So, what I want to go ahead and ask you guys is, one, the evolution of your decks. Over the course, how long does it take to get to near ideal state for your decks to get, versus when the... Well, I can definitely say that the process has changed over the years, um, since I started playing Commander. Because um, my first deck was a bunch of random stuff thrown together in blue-black with Vela the Nightclad. And as I started playing more and more Commander, changes were being made, like, every day. Um, but as, like, I think it's not even much of a Commander thing so much as it is just a playing Magic thing. Um, but as you grow as a player, you're much able, you're much more able to see how certain cards will be good together before you even physically have them together. So creating like a concept list and building it and seeing how it works goes much better after you've been playing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of times where I just like change out cards randomly just to see what happens. So there's nothing more fun than your playgroup being like, wait, you're actually playing that? or joking about playing a card and then actually slotting it in. But all of it does just go towards how optimized do you want the deck to be. And now I realize that everything that I just said has, like, no cohesion whatsoever. (laughs) Whoops. It happens. So one of the things about, like, having my deck evolve over time, like the way it does, it's difficult to actually, like, explain how a deck evolves. Not because, you know, it's uh, a difficult concept, but, you know, many factors go into what would cause your deck to change and alter into different ways and to, you know, be different from what it was before. You know, a new version of a elf comes out and it's also a lord and it has an effect on it that doesn't affect every elf on the board. It's just yours. You put that into your deck and your deck evolves because you don't want to be able to be the guy who gives somebody else's cards advantages. Or, you know, maybe you do want to keep that other guy around. And you just kind of want to add this in and take something else out. Or the meta shifts, or, you know, a particular type of deck happens to get created and your deck is no longer valid anymore. I'm looking at you, Iona. <laughs> but then, you know, that's the thing. But, you know, or something occurs and, like, the rules kid made, he comes up with a change in the rules. And suddenly now something occurs and your commander does something different than what it normally would have done. Or some type of new rule about how things get exiled or something else happens. And now you have to kind of move your deck around in order to make it fit within what it wants to do. And, you know, sometimes these things completely break a deck in half, and your deck has to evolve or, you know, get left by the wayside and be replaced by you building something else. You know, these things happen. So, like, trying to, like, you know, like, just talk about why a deck would evolve is one thing, and then figuring out how a deck evolves is the other. Because how a deck evolves typically breaks down to, can this deck survive given the current meta state or given the current overall situation that's causing this change if something occurs and you're got a graveyard deck and now suddenly a rules change says that cards that go to, from the graveyard to the battlefield have to go to exile first and then they go back to the battlefield not necessarily saying that is a rule change just a hypothetical but if a rule like that were to occur and you had some type of way where your deck doesn't work if everything goes to exile first because it has to come back from the graveyard for whatever reason 
then your deck probably may just disappear. Unless, of course, you can figure out another way to trigger the effects you want or have the deck operate the way you want it to from coming from this new angle. This happens to a lot of, like, it even occurred with, you know, Ashling the Pilgrim. There was a point in time where, like, a long, for the longest time, if she got tucked, it was over. Game over. Her 99 Mountain, done. Unless you happen to shuffle the deck up and happen to draw her, your, your, your night basically with her was finished. Until, of course, the game ended and you got a chance to dig through 99 Mountains to search for the one Ashling. But then when the tuck rule went away and the commanders got a chance to just go straight back to the command zone, now suddenly the deck evolves into a way where it actually becomes a valid reason to continuously play her, as opposed to fearing the fact that she could be exiled or tucked, because she's not. Now her biggest fear are pacifism effects. But, you know, if that's the case, you know, now Red has a problem dealing with enchantment. How is Ashley going to get around that? So there's always, like, some type of corner case area or some type of way that would still oppose a threat to your deck, and you have to figure out ways to make your deck work in those situations. How do I get Ashley around pacifism? I just dump a bunch of mana to her and hope she blows up before pacifism actually catches her. So then, guys, next question. When the hell did Gamble become $32? Um, Because lands got really popular in Legacy. That why? I assume so. It doesn't see play in anything else except for EDH. Huh. And EDH never had that much of an an effect on it for them. All right, then. So, next thing I want to go ahead and ask about, you know, with regards to deck and like that, how long do you, are you, what do you think is the longest a deck can go without any sort of real tuning before they kind of become outmoded, out, or they just become really a good tune-up? Yeah, for example, you know, part of the reason I'm bringing this topic up is because I'm playing my Olivia deck, and I was like, I haven't actually played this deck in what might be close to a year. Like, I don't plan on taking it apart like that, but... This was kind. It was, it was kind of not up to snuff to some, what some of the deck like back then. It was fine. I stopped playing the deck because it was doing exactly what I wanted to do, and my focus shifted to other decks. Tuning. But once I actually went back to deck, it just felt so out of shape. I was like, oh, oh, girl, girl, we need to, you know, do up a little. Lay off the donuts. Well. So basically, so basically, what William is saying is that he had a deck, stopped using it because it was working so well. But then everything around his entire meta shifted to the point now where the deck doesn't work nearly as well as it did. But had he had kept his eye on the deck and actually kept playing it, probably wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Um, well, the whole reason for my group at school, the whole reason for the power level um, spiking up as much as it did a couple years back was because uh, just before Gate Crash came out, I saw Borborygmos and Rage get spoiled, and I put together together a list, and I purchased the cards, and all that I really needed was Borber Rigmos from it. And that deck just dominated my playgroup for several weeks before people started adapting and changing for it and upping the power of their decks. And now when I pull that deck out, because the power level just never dropped, it doesn't do nearly as well. And so, really, the only time that you really realize that your deck needs a tune-up, like, some decks just never need to be changed. They just work well if they fit into their meta really well and no one really changes what they play and you don't really need any changes to be made to it. There's no reason to change it unless you just want to try something new. So it all depends on the context, really. Because I have some decks that I haven't really touched since I've created them and others that I change like every week. It's weird. But Clay does bring up a very interesting point there, though. Or at least from like what I'm viewing it as. 
Now, uh, granted, Williams' Olivia deck currently isn't really working that well. It's not really like, you know, getting the gears going because of the competition that it's got from the deck in its current meta. There could come a point where if William just left that left the deck alone as is and just came back to it in like another two or three months, that it would be pick it would pick up right exactly where it left off at prior to its little dip in this problem. Just because the meta itself that William would be playing it in would also have already a change. To which case if William chooses to change the deck now in order to keep it up with the meta, then, you know, five months down the line, he could be facing the same type of problem he currently has right now where, yes, Olivia was good. Then it wasn't. So I fixed it to be good again. Then I came back and I stopped playing it. Then, next thing I know, it wasn't good anymore. So like, so there's always chance that, like, when you're talking about, like, a meta, it mostly just depends on, like, how, like, how you ramp your deck up pretty much depends on you and your meta. If your meta is the kind of meta where people are always changing, they're always looking for the best this or the newest version of that, or they're trying to find the fastest way to do this or the most or get the most experience out of this particular card, then yeah, your deck will probably have to change a lot more frequently because everyone's deck is going to be different and what your deck is designed to do might not work next week because no one's going to be bringing their decks that your deck works against. Or if you just happen to have like a play group that, you know, everybody has their particular style or their particular type of deck or hell, maybe their particular deck that they play all the time, then your deck doesn't need to be ramped up or changed because the competition itself hasn't changed. So you wouldn't even need to go through the process of like changing the deck around or editing anything or adding any new addition because, you know, it works exactly, exactly how it always has because all the competition in this particular meta is exactly the same. It's almost as if you buy like a dual deck and you sleeve it up against another dual deck and you don't change any of the cards. That meta will yeah. be that meta permanently. But if you buy a dual deck and you expect to play it against like, you know, just like some random friends who have, who like to build their own deck, there'll be some times where that dual deck will be just, will be perfectly fine. There'll be some weeks where it'll probably be the most broken thing on the table. And there'll be a couple of weeks where it just doesn't do anything. In which case now you would have to make the choice of whether or not you actually want to change it around. And even changing it around, you never really know what the actual outcome will be because you could make changes. But just because you're making changes to make your deck better doesn't mean that the decks in your meta aren't also changing. It also doesn't mean that your playgroup is making any changes. You might be the only changer. So William got a few bad. He gets a few bad games with uh, Olivia, and he automatically assumes his meta's changed. No, it's the exact same meta. No one's changed anything. He just started sucking at it because he hasn't played it in so long. <laughs> and now he decides he wants to change the deck around. Four billion. So, how long do you need to get... So, let's say that they decide, you know what, I'm going to start completely over, start from scratch, sell everything I have except for the commanders, and then just rebuild the commanders from scratch. Well, first, I would hope that you would organize your collection so you could sell all of it. How long before you go to 27 to get back in a hat? It would depend on a couple factors. One, financial, of course. Would you have the money to just buy up every card you could possibly need for 27 decks today and then just have them all shipped? Because if you like, you know, like if that's the case, then time factor for it would be just like how long it take to just design your deck and purchase the card. Now, if you're talking about just taking the cards apart and then mixing them up and then going through your bulk or your other collection, try to see what you build with it, then it could take some time because, you know, you're going to have an idea. You're going to tweak the deck. You're going to try to play around with it. You may end up accidentally recreating a deck that was almost exactly like or extremely similar to the one you had, and then you have to take it apart, try something else, because you don't want to go down that route again. And then even if you do end up making a deck that is different, you then have to go through the process of playing it to see if it's something you like or enjoy and see if it even works. 
And then at that point, you're still going to have to tweak it to see if the if there's anything in it that you can make it move a little faster, or maybe this combo is coming out a little too fast, and you want to slow it down, or maybe you're not finding the right cards at the right time, so you want to find other cards that have similar effect. So, like, you know, it, it varies. And for each individual, that variation depends on you and your particular access to cards, money, and time. Sure. Like, say, for instance, Clay is currently out of school, right? Yes. So if Clay decided that he wanted to spend the entire summer just building decks, he has access to it. He could technically just do that. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do, but if he wanted to, he could build 27 decks. It probably wouldn't even take him a month. Just a deck a day and have a few days where he just you know, goes out and hangs out with the girls chills with the family and whatever the case may be, and boom. By the end of the month, he's got his 27 deck. But then if you put someone else who happens to, like, I don't know, have a full-time job or has kids and a wife and family to deal with, and he only gets, like, a few hours here and there, getting them 27, 27 decks back to 27 could easily be, like, a year-long or multiple-year-long process. True. But if we're talking about William specifically, if we, like, from my personal view of it, Let's let, let let's take an overall look at William. William decides he wants to take his twenty seven decks apart, right? William wants to rebuild twenty seven different decks or whatever the case may be. Now William works at a card shop, which means William has access to latest tech, has access to newest cards, has access to the prices of those cards, has access to other individuals who come in has to trade to or employee discounts on those cards. Those yeah, has access yeah, has access to other players that come in so the regulars that come in, William could be like, that's, William could look at it and be like, that right there, that's Jonathan. Jonathan has a Golgari rot farm that I really need because I can't figure out what I did with mine after I took my black, green black deck apart. So William knows that he can get the Golgari rot farm from Jonathan because he knows Jonathan has it. He doesn't even have to go to the Puka trades or to the TCG players or to the whatever other sites to go get it. He knows someone who has it. So if he wants it, he can easily have access to it. But for an individual who doesn't happen to be in William's position, getting a copy of a card like Spy Network might be kind of difficult. Just because, you know, one, they've got to find someone who has it that's selling it. And I'm pretty sure they can get it. It probably wouldn't be all that expensive. But then they have to go to a long waiting process of it being delivered and doing all that other stuff. And, blah, blah, blah. and that adds on time to how long his deck will be complete. So if William, a guy who has access to a, uh, who has access to cards on a regular basis, while even while he's at work, has access to cards while he's at home. I could easily see William putting, taking his 27 decks apart and having 27 decks put back together before, what's, what's this, May? I'd say, like, you know, before the end of July, William could have 27 decks still put back together. If he, you know, wanted to just, if he just wanted to put the effort into it. Now, for myself, me personally, I have a lot of free time. But I don't spend most of my time at card shops. I don't spend most of my time around other individuals. And most of the cards I have access to are the ones that I've either purchased for myself or the ones that I already have in my collection. If I wanted to just build 27 decks, sure, I could. Just grab my commander, go through my my, uh, my boxes, find the rares and the reds, the cards that go into that color combination or whatever the case may be, and I can put my decks technically, quote-unquote, back together. But, you know, then I'd have to go through the process of playing with them and then having the time to go to my play group and having a time to meet up with people and having a time to test those decks. For me to put all my decks back together, that would probably end up taking up a year just because, you know, I wouldn't have the time, access, and resources to be able to put it all back together. So what we're really saying, William, is go ahead, take all your decks apart, rebuild them, and then turn them into YouTube videos so we can have content for the site. <laughs> all right. Did you guys have anything else about this idea about, you know, the perfect deck or the evolution of it or anything like that? 
Uh, the perfect deck is whatever deck you enjoy. Alright then. So that's it for strategy. Next up, we're gonna go into technology, and we're gonna do a little bit of deck tuning with the new band. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Oh man, Blast from Past is madness. Didn't realize we were talking about madness. I love Blast from Past. So we're talking red, blue, black, and madness. Yes. Gotcha. The colors that have it the most. But if that's the case, then Clay, I'm leaning heavily on you. You've got this one, right, buddy? Yeah, you got Uh, this. Maybe. We're going into the technologies, and with the new magic mechanic, I've actually want, been wanting to read my next side of Myron's partly because you know it's always been the behind. It, where it's like I want him, to, you know, like I want this deck to have all the crazies that either crazy or I would actually people would actually think I was societal for wanting to play stuff like the scent, which is that five mana mythic and sword that says at the beginning of your up to put a despair counter on the scent. Then each player exiles X permanent controls and or cards from her hand, or X is the number of despair counters on the madness. Now, it doesn't actually have madness, but we do have some madness cards here. And because Industry is focusing madness more in the black and red area, that's going to help more out of it. So, Clay, go. Yes. What I'm trying to go for here is not only, you know, that theme and feel, but mechanically, we want to make this work with him. We want him to, you know, kind of facilitate a lot of the same. Which is good, because Nekazar is all, what's he about? He's about letting everyone draw a lot of cards. And the thing about the madness mechanic is that it tends to make you run out of cards pretty quickly using a lot of this costs. So the first thing we yeah. want to look at is mitigation. How can we mitigate the, car- the inherent disadvantage that we're trying to turn into advantage by casting some of these spells for madness? Or even, do we want to focus on madness as the main thing? Or is it just a kind of something that's kind of incidentally there? For example, Nekazar is known for having like a lot of Wheel of Fortune effects. Where everyone discards their hand and then draws seven cards. With madness, it's more of a sub thing than the actual focus. It then becomes okay. The wheel of fortune gets some added value because then you can still cast spells that were hand for cheap while we fill you. Yes, I think that's probably a better way to go about it, especially in a deck like Nekusar, where you're probably playing a bunch of stuff like Howling Mine, um, Anvil of the Bogarden. Uh, Dictate of Crucifix, that sort of thing, where you're probably going to be discarding at the end of turn anyway. Madness just gives you extra added value, and then you can also play cards that make all players discard cards without actually fearing any downside. Like, if you just slam Liliana of the Veil, make everyone discard, and then you still get to cast your discard card, that goes pretty well. Alright, so, looking at this for this deck, what are we going to be looking at to discard stuff? Because it feels like if we're using the madness to get some sort of extra value, what sort of things have discarding at cost? The first thing that comes to my mind are stuff like the spell shape. You know, like the, uh, I believe Dreamscape Artist, the blue one, that has yeah. three mana to the, the discard a card. Yeah, it's Harrow. So not only do you Harrow, so but you can cast whatever it was you're discarding. Was from under the new one, I think? Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Actually, yeah. yeah, from under the floorboard. I got it right here. For the mana's cost of X black black, you can get X to- onto the battlefield and gain X life. That's so good. Yes, Avacyn's Judgment, the uh, the divide X damage, fireball. Yep. If you madness it, I think spell shapers honestly are the best thing possible for uh, madness. Or if your commander can help you discard cards in general, 
like New Olivia, anything. I can't even think of any off the top of my head. But specifically in Nekusar, the dreamscape artists, uh, or the spell shapers as a whole, give you a lot of extra value for all the random cards that you're drawing. Um, especially Jaya Ballard. She is an absolute all-star. Yeah, Jaya Ballard. All right, I'm not a fan of minimal effects, though. It's just, she's incinerate and pyroblast, and then that... It's still some extra damage. It's some extra damage, but I feel like you do a little bit better. She's really good in my Chandra deck when you have Squee in the butt. <laughs> so, while we're talking about the discarding, so what exactly is worth playing as far as metal? Like, we talked talked about from on the boards as a joke. But what else do we have out here that actually stands out as far as man, you know, EDH playable? Big Game Hunter is one that comes. Big Game Hunter is an absolute boss. So what's no one ever expects it, and it just kills everything. So what is it like? Um, Big Game Hunter is a measly little one-one human rebel assassin. So if you're playing the weird uh, white-black rebels deck that you could do in a, I don't know. Planar Chaos, Time Spiral Block, or uh, uh, Modern Masters, you can search him out with your Rebel Effects. But what he does, he's just a 1-1 one, one for 1 Black Black with Madness for Black. When Big Game Hunter enters the battlefield, destroy target creature with power 4 or greater, it can't be regenerated. That basically just says, if I discard this for Black, I get to kill almost anything on the board that's relevant in our format. Most people's commanders will also fall into that. It's just an undercosted, aggressive destruction effect that also leaves behind a blocker. Hmm. Yeah, are you sure you don't have any ideas? Well, as far as, like, madness is concerned, uh, I guess you could go with um, Strength of Lunacy. Oh, yeah, that one's pretty fun, too. Wait, strength of Lunacy, what's that? It's um, an enchant creature. It's one black. Uh, basically, it pretty much it's kind of like a black version of a giant growth. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus one, and has protection from white, but has a madness cost of one. So it's one of those cards where if you do get a chance to, like, say, for instance, combat is happening and you have an instant way of cost of doing the madness and discarding it and you pay the black for it, not only does your creature get protection from a color, which could be relevant, you can, you know, then use a small creature to block a big threat and, you know, still survive and tell the tale. But it also gets a power bump and a defense bump of two uh, plus two plus one, which then means that even if it didn't have the color thing and you were going into a thing where it seemed like a fair trade or you were about to lose something from blocking, you could potentially still survive the combat and actually kill the creature that was attacking. Yeah. And since it's an enchant creature, it would be a permanent pump. It's not like it's just going to sit around for like the one turn. So now your creature's got that going on permanently. Yeah. I put this one into my Glintai Nephilim deck, and there was one time where I was swinging into someone who was playing mono-white. They blocked. I activated its ability, discarded Strength of Lunacy, and just blew them out. It was great. And also, if you're playing with, like, because you're playing um, red, blue, and black with this particular thing, so I guess uh, if you were playing a creature just just so happened to have poison, and you happen to come across a mono-white play, you could be able to knock them out quicker. Because <laughs> with a poison creature, it basically is a plus four Plus two, well, plus four, plus one. Yeah. So you have that going for you, I guess. Let's see, what other cards here? Uh, what's this other card? Uh, um, oh, we have a uh, Raven's Crime. Ooh, Raven's That's a Crimes. retrace card. That's right. The retrace cards are really bad. Because with Raven, uh, Raven's Crime is a uh, sorcery. It's a single black, and it has uh, target player discards a card, and it has retrace on it, which means that you may pay, you may play this card from your graveyard by discarding a land. In oh, addition call to the paying sky a call. Huh? Call, call the, the sky, sky breaker. 
Breaker is hilarious. Maybe time to it's a retrace card that makes it five. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but thank for like with Raven's Crime though, since it says target player discards a card, pretty much any time you have an extra land in your hand and a Madness card, you can always just pay a black, discard the Madness card and target yourself to get it for its cheaper cost if you wanted to, instead of just like sure. casting it for its original effect. Granted, it's sorcery speed, so you kind of have to wait for it, but you still do it. And in other areas where if a person happens to be low on cards in their hand, you can just, you know, use your... Because what was it? You're talking about uh, Nekrazar as the commander for this? Yeah. Yep. And you're going to be drawing a bunch of cards, right? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, so you could be using the extra cards you draw from Nekrazar to kind of control your opponent's hands because you could be discarding lands to that, just kind of keeping their hands low while Nekrazar kind of loads you up. Yeah, and then you can use all the extra lands to retrace it. Hmm. Let's see, is there anything else I can think of to help this out? Uh, nothing coming to mind right now. For madness. More madness, more retrace. The spell shapers. Oh, they have it. Spell shapers yeah. are amazing, especially with madness. You also have the, uh, the new, uh, Call the, Bloodline, Call the Bloodlines enchantment that can make blockers randomly while enabling madness. There's also waste not had to go with weird type effects. That's more for benefiting from opponents discarding rather than discarding. Yeah. What are the things that uh, have to discard? So, as far as, like, for discarding is concerned, right? In order for Madness to work, you have to discard at the end of an effect. It can't be at the beginning of it, or it yeah, has to be a part of the cost, right? Yeah, like, you can it, discard it as a cost. It's still dramatic. Yeah, at but I'm saying, it has point, to be... It, it can be okay. part of the effect. Or the yeah, but I'm saying, like, because I was always under the impression that, like, for it to work for Madness, it either, A, had to be a cost, i.e., like, Discard a card, get this effect. Okay, then, like, it can be able to pay the madness cards that goes on a stack. Or it'd be like, here's this effect, and at the end of this effect, discard a card. Because then, you know, the effect is over, and then you can pay the cost. But it was like, discard a card, and then, like, like you know, pay two mana, discard a card, then draw a card. You wouldn't get a chance to activate the madness cards from my original interpretation of it. Because, you know, you'd still be in the middle of the effect, the card already be discarded to the effect, so before you got a chance to pay the cost for it, it'd be gone. Well, basically how it works is um, if you discard the card with Madness as part of the cost for activating or casting something, your Madness trigger will go on the stack after whatever it is you're paying the cost for, and then we'll resolve first. But if you discard as part of an effect, you won't get to resolve your Madness trigger until after whatever that effect is finishes. So it's kind of strange, but no matter when you discard the card, at some point, you will be able to cast it, unless for some reason um, you discard the card after something with like split second is on the stack. But you're not discarding gotcha. the card because of the thing with split second. It's awkward and probably never comes up. Now, figured I'd ask before I got a chance to like go too deep into cards and effects stuff, because uh, you're talking red, blue, black. So a card that could potentially go into this deck would be a uh, Burning Inquisition. Yeah. Because you could pay to one red. Everybody would draw three cards and then discard three cards at random. But because you're playing Madness, if you have the mana for it, the cards you discard at random would just end up being Madness cards, and you could just activate them for their pay their Madness cards and get them back. So it becomes like one red and whatever the accumulative Madness thing is to force your play group to draw three cards, discard three cards at random from their hand, kind of messing up any plans that they may or may not have already had built up in their hand while also then getting all of the effects of the other three cards you were able to pay for. Um, along that same line, you can also play Tybalt. I do play Tybalt! Tybalt's so good for that! Uh, William plays Tybalt. Tybalt's so good, though! Actually, one of the Mystical Teachings is a fantastic card. Um, 
Yeah, there we go. Let's go keep remembering because I keep hearing Cam's voice from Loading Ready Run. Three in a, <laughs> three in a blue instant that switches for an instant card or a card with flash. Goes to you and it flashes back for five and a black. Yep. So cards with flashback, cards with trace. We have spell shapers. Alright, so we got all this. So what's the real wink? Like, Negazar is infamous for being burn everyone with all the wheel effects, but I don't actually want that to be the fact that Wink is I want Negazar there more because he's a Howling Mind type creature that is the Grixis that covers all of And the fact that he just kind of moves life totals while he's at it is just kind of good on top of it, you know? I'll let Clay come up with the Wink condition. I have no idea what the Wink condition for oh, this deck is. I have a hard time. Figuring out any win condition for a Nekasar deck other than just burning everyone out or Laboratory Maniac. So, you'd have to come back to me on that. So, uh, while Clay is working on the win condition, a card that I would find, that I've always found interesting, but I'm not really sure how well it would play in this particular deck, is Spy Network. It's a single Mm -hmm. blue, and it's an instant. It has the ability to look at target player's hand, the top card of that player's library, and any face-down creatures he or she controls. And then you look at the top four cards of your library, and you can put them back in any order. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, one, you're kind of using it so you can look at the top four cards of your library and organize them how you want. But then you can also get a chance to look at a particular player's hand and what they're going to be doing next. So if you do happen to have a bunch of discard effects in your deck, you can kind of be like, okay, now I know what's in there. Now I can actually know whether or not I should activate this discard effect as opposed to potentially randomly throwing it out there to hopefully hit something. And then on top of that, since you do get a chance to reorganize the top four cards of your library, if you're playing Madness and you have this card cards in your hand, you get a chance to see the top four cards. And you, oh, look, I'm going to be getting my big game hunter in the next four. I'm going to change that around. I'm going to put this on the top. Now I have a discard effect and a big game hunter and the mana to activate. It. And if you put the spy network underneath the Isochron Scepter, you can repeat this process continuously. Well, not continuously, but often. You can keep doing it until the Isochron Scepter gets blown up. I like it. Honestly, I think as far as Nekazar goes, he is just going to have to... Nekazar is the win condition. He's always going to be the win condition. Until a a better version of a win condition for that deck does inevitably show up. Yeah, I mean... We're looking at you, wizard. I like him best as deck outs. Like, force fruition, stuff like that. Stuff that makes you draw the more... The more cards, the better. But I do really like the Madness of It's such a cool way to, you know, turn what's normally disadvantage into advantage. You know, playing stuff like Tybalt, I friggin' love Tybalt. This pre- like, even before the Madness and stuff, you know, putting Tybalt on the board and just letting Tybalt decide what my turn is. Like, okay, I was going to, you know, play a creature that could block, do some other things. But no, Tybalt says I don't need that so we're gonna have to, you know, figure something else out, I guess. Uh... Would you include the Eldrazi's in here? I'm not talking about the recent ones. I'm talking about the ones that, like, take your graveyard and put them back into your library. No, because I have an Eldrazi deck. Yeah, but what I'm saying here is is that if you're thinking about turning this into a deck-out deck where you're trying to deck your opponent, it'd be nice to have a way to keep yourself from decking yourself as well. No, you're right. In that case, I would put Not necessarily saying they're in there for the whole casting process. I'm pretty sure that, like, this other cards that, you know, kind of like the... um like Nisa's Chosen and stuff like that, that, you know, find their way back into your deck. But, you know, I'm just saying it'd probably be nice to have other cards that are in this deck that kind of do that whole, like, hey, look, I hit the graveyard. I'm going back into the library, like a Blightsteel Colossus or Darksteel Colossus or something. Just so that way, when you do finally get Nekasar to go off, you can be able to guarantee that you will actually win as opposed to accidentally kill yourself and then leave the table with, like, six cards to play. Alright, so I guess Nekazar is more or less the same. But the Madness tech is real. I so really love that. One more word is so cool! 
Madness is a really cool mechanic. More people need to play it. It really is, and I hope it's one that they bring over to, you know, if Battle for the Card to Ode any edition, is that they may actually just go with completely mechanic when they go from set 1 to set 2. Which is both good, but also bad, because, you know, on the one hand, saving for design space. On the other hand, this is like the one set where we can bring Madness back relatively safely so well. Yeah. It feels like there's so much more that they could have just said. I don't know. But if they if they drag Magnus into the um next set then they would also it, it's the therein lies what I consider probably like the issue with two block set. It's the when it was three block, you could drag a mechanic from one set to the other and then like in the middle put something new there and then towards third, you know, cut something out if you really wanted to try something new. But here it's the if they drag too many mechanics from the first set into the next one then it just kind of keeps second set from actually feeling like its own thing. Because you have to remember, they have, like if they drag Madness over there, and then they decide they also wanted to drag the flip card or the double face cards over there, those the are already two things. The cards are almost certainly going to be there. Right, but then, like if you, if you like I'm saying, like if the double face cards are there, and then the Madness cards are there, then there's other, like what other mechanics from this set are you going to exile in order to make room for other mechanics in the next set. And if there's new mechanics in this set, and you're dragging this thing, and you're dragging this one, and you're also dragging this over, now the next set only really has, like, room for maybe one, two things. But with Madness, while granted Madness does work here, Madness already has kind of a rich history of cards and has been around a few times already. So if they decided not to do it, it'd be understandable because, you know, you already have a deep enough pool for Madness. But that's just my two things. Uh, so guys, I think this show has gone on long enough for one night. Let's go ahead and take to our out. God. Yay, like outro it's time. It's like it's spreading. It's starting to feel my eyelids are heavy. It's like it just fall asleep <laughs> sound, Calvin. Yeah, uh, I tried that the other week, and apparently I made some type of reference about, like, my soothing voice, and then something about, like, American Pie came in afterwards, and it just kind of fucked up the whole mood. Cal- Cal- Calvin tried to sexually talk you into fucking an apple pie. Didn't work. Uh, didn't really work. Or did it? Alright. So, this is Big so Did you ever fuck that apple pie, William? I didn't fuck an apple pie, but did you fuck up the outro? Good enough. <laughs> This has been Commander Cast episode 246. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for coming out to the Calvin Play. Yay, yeah, we're no here. For the summer, have Mark back on. More actual talks about all that. So, Mark, come back. We need you. Yeah, I'm Mark. Come on. So, let's go ahead and pass that back contact. Play if you want to do Um, People can reach me on Twitter and Reddit and Gmail as EDHPanda. Um, my girlfriend Mallory and I also occasionally stream on Twitch as. Um, Twitch.tv slash Pandapaka. You can also follow us on the Twitter at that same name to uh, get updates about when we go live and what we stream. And we're probably also setting up um, personal streaming accounts for the summer because we will be spending the majority of the summer not in the same location, but we still want to stream. So keep you updated on that. All right. Calvin. If you want to reach out and contact the captain, it's very easy to do. You can follow me over on Twitter at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up with an email in Gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. 
or you can go over to Facebook and find Commander Cast there. We have a Facebook page there. Myself is usually on there checking messages and looking at things. William's over there posting up about his alpha build. Clay's a moderator there. We're usually around. And you can also hit Commander Cast up on Reddit. If you have a Reddit page, go in there. That's ran by the Waffle Cone. Commander Cast is also on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher for you listeners out there with Apple devices or Android devices. You can go ahead and listen to us all over the internet. Let's see here. As far as uh, iTunes is concerned, there is the five-star review. So if you do go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review, we will read your comments live, or technically live, here on the show. William, do we have any recent five-star reviews? Yes, we do. This one is from Savage Team. Gave us a big old five stars. Thank you for the calcium. Hey guys, long time listener. I felt compelled to five star review after calcium. I've been having some both life mad emotions, which you guys discussed really helped put the perspective. I owe both William and Calvin It's definitely instigated the turnaround for my positive. Of course, you guys always do a great job discussing best magic, and I love your personalities and that. But every once in a while, you guys get someone like me. I am great. Uh, we're grateful that you're a subscriber because it gives us a motivation to continue doing what we do on a regular basis. Now, dear listener, if you want to hear your five-star review heard and read out here by William on the show, all you got to do is go over to iTunes, hit us up with a five-star review. Now, here comes the point in the show where the Calvin or the Captain Calvin, huh, like I'm that important to get a duh in front of my name. It's this point where the Captain is going to tell you a few other little tidbits about how you could help the show. You can either A, go over to CommanderCast.com and put a comment down underneath the show and let us know how you feel, what you think, and what you feel about the particular topic we've discussed. Is there something that you want to talk about with your collection? Maybe you want to go ahead and tell us about how you go about building a Neckerzar deck. I don't know. Maybe you just want to tell William that he sucks. Maybe you want to tell me that I suck. Who knows? Whatever your opinion is, that's your opinion. Or you can also go over Patreon. That's right. Patreon has a Commander Cast point over there where you can go over there and you can leave us Money, basically. Pretty much throw money into the jar. The tip jar, as William refers to it. Just the tip, ladies and gentlemen. Or, if a little extra happens to slip in, we won't complain. We have a few tiers there, as we discussed earlier on in the show. The tip jar allows you to donate a dollar. It also allows you to slip a little extra in. Or, you can donate five dollars and enter into the Commander Cast uh, show topic discussion. You can donate a little bit more and get a copy and get copies of the of William's YouTube channel. Damn it, my brain is fucking up. Hold on a second. The Alpha Build, there we go. I've got it. I'm back on topic. The Alpha Build is available for any of the Patreon supporters who happen to get it a little bit earlier and happen to get it before other individuals happen to see it on YouTube. So if you really want that content, if you really need it in your life, feel free to drop some money into the jar. Hmm. Or if you want to just contact Commander Cast, you can hit us up at Commander Cast. Or you can hit Commander Cast in an email at CommanderCast at gmail.com. Let's see, is there anything else that I can think of that we are currently doing that would allow you, the list, to be able to let us know which uh, emails, Gmails, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, the main website, while also hosted on MTG Cast, which holds tons and tons, tons of other amazing Magic the Gathering based content and podcasts. I suggest going over there and hit up a few of those shows for a list. You can also come back later on in the week. Typically, we have other shows here on the Commander Cast website. Don't just listen to us. We have the stack. We have Rival Duel. We've got articles that post up. We've got plenty of things available for you in case our show just happens to not be enough Commander Cast content to enjoy. And here comes the point where I tell William to give us his contact information so he can let you know how you can reach our host. 
Alright then. So if you want to get help, if you want to contact. And he can't even get his own contact information out, but that's okay though, because you can always hit him up just by throwing a rock directly at his face. Instant right. contact! Instant contact. You or you can go over to Twitter, what is it, Blue Ram? If you want to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on the Twitter. I am BlueRam1409, right over there. You can also hit me up on Gmail, WIHernandez at gmail.com. Anytime you Twitter or message command cast mail account, I am there also. And I think that's actually about it. Yes. Yeah. That should be it. Yeah, it is. So thanks to everyone. Yeah, that's it. Alright then. So, thanks to everyone here at the Vanicast Network. Love you all. Fantastic people. Come on, Mark. Music for our show is the X-Men's Heaven Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next more community, strategy, and technology. Shh. Till then, let's get it! <laughs> <laughs> Replace, replaces <laughs> yawning with boobs. Thought about it, but decided against it this time. So, now, Dangly bits. I get to say some of the podcast. Nice. How did that go? That actually went well. Now, it was funky because they don't they Skype record. Like, they actually had me install all that audacity onto my desktop. So I would record my own file, and then I had to send it to them through their Pandora. So huh. there were a couple of groups I had to jump to action. So does everyone record their own audio, and then they just splice it all together? They do. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it works that way from how well the podcast audio is together, but it does. And actually, I mean, I guess it means that you don't have like audio inconsistencies based on what it sounds like on the other end. And I'm actually dropping the show notes out there. So then on the other, and then the other end of that is that if everybody's recording their own thing, like say for instance, like if Clay's audio didn't come well. You could just completely cut him completely out of the show, and then just any references to him from the other two files you could just cut. True. Yep. So I have the link to that in the show notes. Uh, any listeners listening to this in Dangle Bits, actually, Dangly go, Bits. go to that episode on these because that's where they post their podcast. Good. Well, I guess I'm happy to be. I'll probably be dealing with that later on this afternoon or tonight, technically, probably early tomorrow. And then let's see. Not a whole lot else that's going on. I've been. I've just life keeps. That sh- that working at that store, that that store keeps busy on a race. And that's a good thing, isn't it? No, it's a fantastic thing, but it means that I don't really have a, a life outside of the store per se. Like all my friends end up coming to the store to hang out, so it's like I see the store longer if I'm necessarily working. So I spend almost as much so time like, more time at the store than I do actually at home or anything else. So it's like clerks. Kind of. Gotcha. So what's new with you, Clay? Not much. Just getting ready to move back for the summer. We managed to get everything out of the uh, the apartment at school. It took many, many trips, um, but just ready to go back and set myself up for the summer. And 
ready to move in with Mallory next semester. Yay. Yay. So how is Mallory doing? I haven't heard her this entire conversation. Um, she is downstairs, I guess, watching TV with her mom or something. Um, she is doing really well. Oh, that you go, When you go down there, give Mallory a high five. I will. And she then, says hi to all of you as and well. When, and, when, and when she gets to a high five, tell her that's from the captain. Oh, <laughs> so... Would you owe me a high five? Well, yes, I owe you many of those, but Navi is no longer with me. Good. Last oh, week, because you got a new phone? Yeah. Like, the Monday that of the week that we ended up off was the day that my phone died. So I wasn't... So I had to wait for a couple of friends to help me try out some stuff to see if salvage it. But when that didn't work, last Thursday I went out and I got a shiny new Samsung 7. But So it's a brand new phone, but it's not Navi. So I didn't feel like I should, you know, do that Navi, hey, notification alert. So instead, I've got a brand new phone with a brand new. So what, he, what he's really saying? Hadn't heard a shut up that night. Like so, what he's really saying is the old phone had Navi on it, and it was hey. The new notification for this one is going to be listen. Nope, not actually anything. Thank God. So glad I'm, I no I'm longer have to tell that. Shut up. Yeah, I'm sure we heard it some point. Oh, there. What? The hell so was that? Now it's Animu. It is Animu. Oh, God, Navi, come back. <laughs> <laughs> At least with Navi, it was a single syllable. It's just, hey, this, uh, oh, God, damn it, William. Ugh. Officially, I've named Anyways. It, officially, I've named phone now, but I might end in that. Speaking of Lost Collection, someone posted on the Magic TCG Reddit, um, you know the giant wildfire that happened um, up in Canada? Um, Wait, what? There was a huge wildfire. I forget where it was. Uh, Fork Mc... Fort McMurray, um, it's in Calgary, um, or in Alberta, that's where it is. Mm. Um, but there was this huge fucking fire. Like, let's see if I can find a uh, state of emergency has been declared in the province of Alberta and Canada after wildfire forced all 88,000 residents to flee. Um, the fire, which broke out on Sunday in the heart of the country's oil sands region, has gutted 1,600 buildings. Um, someone posted that he had to leave his collection behind um, because his wife wasn't allowed back into their neighborhood to retrieve him. And mm. a bunch of people, of course, like offered to help him replace stuff. And he said that he was going to do an insurance claim first. And then uh, Trick Jarrett from Watsy was like, I know you're not taking anything from other players, but would you mind if Wizard sent you something? Oh, nice. Yeah. Speaking of collections, sometimes people lose theirs. Sometimes they get stolen. Sometimes they get burned down. And it's this unfortunate. And is why I have all of the manu. <laughs> One of each. One of each. According to this, I actually have my. Oh my collection. god! Shit. I actually have my collection. At least, uh, at least everything that's in my decks. Somewhere on on battle, I want. I have my deck list posted on Tapped Out, but that's about as far as I've gone. Let's see. So I actually have my ten most valuable cards on. <laughs> And what are those ten most valuable cards? So, two, five, ten. So, starting with number ten, Sword of Fire and Ice from Modern Master, three dollars. Okay. We, Only fifty-three dollars. Uh, ah. Cavern of Soul, averaging at three dollars and seven cents. Nine. I'm so glad I finished my set of those before they spiked up. Yeah, I got my. my I'm so glad I picked up. I picked up my foil at like forty. The Cavern of Soul, oh, Lord, that's a, a long, long time ago. Cavernous it Souls, was great. In a galaxy far, far I can play Tribal. In fact, I want to try playing Tribal Werewolf. Uh, Collective Company Werewolf Modern. Dude, do it. I Why want, not? Because I'm missing one. Ah. Uh, 
So, I'm borrowing three Aether Vials for fish at the moment. I'm probably going to negotiate the trade for them over the summer. Alright, at number eight, we have Aaron Mesa. Zend- original Zendikar. $5.50. So let's see. Oh wait, no, that's 10. Yeah, that's it. So at number seven, Snapcast in Innistrad. $50.32. We have Plateau. Revised $50.00. Now we get to the top five. At number five, it's Crucible of Wars. $68.00. That's right. Crucible Wars is more expensive than a revised. To be fair, which one did you say it was? Plateau? I mean, it was going to be anyone, it would be Plateau. But that more expensive than number four, Scrubland. $76.95. Then we have Badland at $79.39. Now, guys, you want to guess as to what number two is? Ashling the Pilgrim. Boy, Lavis. No. Boy, with Ashling the Pilgrim. The second most expensive card I own is Jace the Mind Skull from $93.30. Oh, he went back up? Original Worldwide, yeah. I got him when he was around oh, 60. Cool. He actually shot up to like about 120 or some point down a little bit. Yeah, the last, when I picked up mine, it was only about 75, I think. Yeah, because that was right after. Alright, so what do you guys think the most card I own? Yeah, Mountain. I would say Foil Avacyn, but that's less expensive mine sculpture at this point. It is in fact Liliana of the Veil. In a strip. $110.98. And at one point, I had three of them. I used to have one. That was one of the worst trades I've ever made. I gave, I held on to one for sure. I gave one to my girlfriend, and the other was. That's my top ten expensive cards. Woo! But that's all going into dangly bits. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead. <laughs> I mean, part of it's relevant. Part of it's relevant. So I can go ahead and tease it, and then people can hang around to the dangly bits if they want to find out what my most valuable. Which, 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 which basically William is pretty much saying, Calvin, cut out this and don't even put it at the end of the show now. Oh. Listeners, listeners will now <laughs> listen, wait to hear ten. No, William's top ten. Never hear it. You know when they'll hear it? In like two weeks when we don't record another episode and a dangly bit episode actually shows up and they're like, the hell is this? Because <laughs> William naming off cards and their prices. No one really else saying anything about them. So, today in our community section, <laughs> I am dying. <laughs> Take two. Right. Well, if Wait, William mutiny. dies, that's the mutiny. end of Commander Cast. <laughs> mutiny. Mutiny. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Commander Cast. It's my show now. I'm taking over. No, I'm not, actually. I don't have a recorder. I don't have the technology. And in all honesty, I, I don't have the energy. I am, like, so physically drained. Ugh. The fact that I'm even here now. It, it, it's a miracle, in fact. Oh, I feel like falling asleep halfway through the call. I almost fell asleep before the call started. Damn it, I haven't been doing anything today, and I'm false. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're just talking about top ten cards as opposed to, like, subjects that me and Clay could actually talk about or care about. Let's do this. I mean, I like I like to know that as a whole, my collection is worth more than anything that William has. What? Nothing. <laughs> Mister, I. He's basically <laughs> saying he's basically saying his collection is more valuable than your pride, sir, of which you have none. Pride goes Ooh, before the dis. fall, and I'm willing to swallow my pride. What was that? You're going to swallow something? If you're going to do that, I think you should add another tier to that Patreon. Aren't my tears enough? The no, tier, they're tier. not. The will- William's tears, tear. William's <laughs> prostituting himself on Patreon. Yes. Alright. So, in today's community section, I want to go ahead and talk about collecting. Um, I'm getting a phone call really quick. <laughs> and the thing this time it was in feet. I was ready to... What happened? Are you getting a phone call? Yeah, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Too bad he can't play basketball. Aww. The best card with madness. The basketball. Surprise blocker. I lava, I lightning axe your dude, and I block your other dude. Too bad there are no follows on uh, Innistrad. It doesn't have madness, you have to be mad to play it. Yes. Boo. 
Um, what is it? Gibbering Descent, I think, has madness. I forgot. Alright then. Gibbering Descent does have madness. It's cute. It's way overcosted no matter how you pay for it, but. Big Game Hunter, right? Dude, Big Game Hunter is amazing. Obsessive Search. That card is. Obsessive Search. So many good cards. Draws a card. That's all it does. It I know. Draws. It's so good. Alright then. So let's go ahead. Madagascar.